0: and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. John's Gospel, chapter 17. Here's what Jesus said. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven. And He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that Your Son also may glorify You. As you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I finished the work that you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify you me with your own self, with the glory which I have with you before the world was. I have manifest your name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. Your, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are of you. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from you. And they have believed. That you did send me i pray for them notice that i pray for them i pray not for the world okay recognize this is a prayer for believers not a prayer for the world there's other prayers that jesus prayed concerning the world but this is a prayer for believers but for them which you have given me for they are yours and all mine are yours And yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Notice that. That they might be one as we are. The prayer Jesus is praying is that these disciples that you've given me, that have come and May Jesus, literally the Lord of their life, who've accepted the word of the Father concerning Jesus, the Son of the living God. And they have dedicated their life to Him. They were in the world, but no longer. Jesus said they have come out from the world. How many knows we're in the world, we're not of it? Say amen. 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 And so they have come out from this world system. No longer a part of it, they are now part of the kingdom of God, indeed the family of God with Jesus Christ as its Lord and Master. And he says this, I want all of them that you have given me, these 12 disciples that you have given me, these, I'm praying for them, and and by understanding all who are believers, whether they be these 12 or not all believers, but not the world, not unbelievers, but those that are in the kingdom of God, that they all may be one, and here's the key, as we are one. In other words, we want them to be one. Christ Jesus says, I want them to be one like, Father, you and I are one. Just like, Father, you and I are in relationship together, and we are one, I want these people that you've given me to also be one with us, with you, Father, with me, with us. I want them to be one as well. Now, look at verse 21, because he breaks it down a little bit more. John 17, verse 21, as he continues that prayer, that they all may be one. How can you be one? Now, Christ is not talking about that I come and get in your body or you come and get inside my body. He's not saying that. The oneness, he describes how it works. That they might be one as you, Father, are in me. In whatever way that God the Father is in Christ Jesus, he wants that same relationship for you and me. And I in you. In whatever way Christ is in the Father, he wants the same relationship for you and me. That they also may be one in us, collectively, all of us. One, that the world may believe that you have sent me. One of the greatest powers of understanding uh, that we are children of God, is that we have love for the brethren, that we are one in family, one in relationship. He's on finding things anything stronger than that. And it says here that they might be one, that you have sent me, in verse 22, and the glory which you gave me I've given them, that they may be one. There it is again. Even as we are one. And so in whatever way that Christ the Father, Christ and the Father, and the Holy Spirit... Are one. You and I can be one in exactly the same way, and so let's look at that just a little bit as, as Jesus is praying a prayer for for unity, for a coming together of the body of Christ. Not a coming together now of the world and the body of Christ. That's called compromise. Not a coming together of the world and the body of Christ, but a coming together of the body of Christ. That's called unity. That's called unity. And so, in looking at, look with me, First John chapter 5, verse 7. We're going to explore this just a tiny tad. Not uh, go into it a whole lot, but let's look at just a moment. When we think about the word Trinity, the threeness of God. In what way is God, three persons, and the one Godhead, or the one divine unity as Bible teaches us? In whatever way that is. Whatever way we understand it be, Jesus said we could be the same thing. Just like you can be one with another, same way the Father can be one with the Son, the Son can be one with the Holy Spirit. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, he gives us a little arithmetic equation here. He says, for there are three. One, two, three. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, that's one the Word, capital W-R-D, and three, the Holy Ghost. These three, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, are one. These three are one. Three persons. When believing and understanding the Trinity, we understand there are three individual, separate, and distinct persons. Three persons of the Trinity. Some people don't believe in that. In fact, I think it was 1904, 1914 of this century or the last century. I'm a century behind. But in 1914, there was a great revival that was going on in the West Coast. And there was a lady that had a uh, dream. And in this dream, she came out of that dream and she said that the name of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost was Jesus. From that dream, they picked it up. And came out with what we call the oneness movement. Now the oneness movement—it's been out there a long time, but it just sort of comes back. Society sort of goes that way. I mean, we go in cyclical or or circles, so to speak. We'll be here, we'll go there, we'll go here, we'll go there. You you ever notice your clothes? I mean, you know what? Back when I was in uh, high school, the clothes that 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 we wore in those uh, days—we had these bell bottoms. Anybody ever had bell bottoms? And then we had these shoes like this. I mean, you, you was up tall. I looked like Frankenstein. You know, with platform shoes on. And, and all these kind of things. And we, and, and we had pants with no belts on them. You know, you pulled it together that right there. <laughs> that kind of stuff. All, all kind of different th- ways we looked and that kind of stuff. And, uh, we, but you know what? Uh, that style went out. And then when that style went out, we started dressing different ways. And then that style went out. And then that one went out, and that one went out, and finally that one back in the late 60s came back again. Right? And we see that in clothing styles. You also see that in church teaching and church doctrine. You you see that in, in civilizations civilizations are known to, to, to be in uh, slavery and bondage and, and the people break out of the slavery and bondage and they become free and as they become free nation, free people they become successful and prosperous and as they become successful and prosperous they become lazy and as they become lazy they get captivated once again. And it's a cycle that happens in countries and nations and histories that, that sort of goes on and has been going on in a lot of different areas. And the same way in the understanding of the Trinity. You, you can go back and, while well, I mentioned 1914 as the date that the woman had the uh, dream, and she did, um, what she called the oneness of God. Uh, when she had that dream, she did, but it, it's been back before. And you could go back in theological resources and, and, and see it go back year after year Go 100 years, skip 200, go 100, skip 3, and all the way back until the time of Christ. And, and people have argued those things uh, along that whole kind of way. And some people literally, uh, they, they believe that sometimes God looks like Jesus. Sometimes he looks like the Father. And other times he looks like the Holy Spirit. And that's basically a concept of that oneness teaching or what has been called Jesus only Jesus And I have some good friends across the nation who are in Jesus only, and who are part of that oneness situation of circumstance. But, but the Bible really doesn't teach it. The Bible teaches, what we just read in First John chapter five or seven, that there are three. Not one, not four. There are three. And these three are one. Now, we could go back and we could look at several things in Scripture. We could look in the book of Matthew and we could see that when Jesus was baptized in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, and when he was baptized, Jesus was there. John saw him. He asked John to baptize him. John doesn't want to at first, but Jesus convinces him. And so, as he is going to be baptized in water, Jesus, the man in flesh, God in flesh, on earth, is going to be baptized. When he is being baptized, I'm told that the Holy Spirit, John t- Matthew tells us, several writers tell us, that the Holy Spirit swoops down like a dove and lights upon Jesus. So now I've got two, unless Jesus is the greatest magician that the world's ever known. I've got two. Then I'm told that out of heaven came a voice, whose voice was it? He said, behold, my son, my beloved son, must be the father in whom I'm well pleased. So now I've got the voice of the Father in heaven. I've got Jesus in the water being baptized and the Holy Spirit coming down. One, two, three. These three. And so these three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, act in, walk in, live in complete and perfect unity and we call it one in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. They act as one. How many in here, you've been married? Raise your hand at me. Have I mean, you been married and uh, you agreed with every single thing your spouse ever said or did? We're gonna have an altar call in a minute. We'll have an altar call for, for sinners and liars, okay? Yeah. No, no, no. And you know, sometimes we but sometimes we do agree with a lot of things. And sometimes you agree with some things and you don't know. My my wife and I, I I've learned over the years. We we bought a little furniture for our house lately. And different things, we're redoing our house from upside and down and that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, I bought some furniture for my office and different things. And she bought some things for the uh, house and for the bedroom and that kind of stuff. And I said, now, she said, is that what you want? Oh, yeah. I said, this is your deal. Now, not mine. You could never, ever say that I suggested you, push you, swayed you, or any kind of thing. It's your decision. Because I have learned over the years what I thought was... Her decision somehow got blamed on me. (laughs) Have you ever done that? And so I just don't care about colors or what color it is. I don't care. If it's a chair, it's a chair. I don't care. But anyway, that that kind of thing. Sometimes it's hard to grasp that kind of unity. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have the kind of unity where they never disagree. The Bible says the Word and the Spirit, they what? They agree. They agree. So God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus Christ are in complete unified agreement. They work, they operate as one. And what Jesus is saying, I want believers to do that same thing. I want believers to act like one. We don't want a house divided because Jesus said what? A house divided what? It will not stand, will it? Not a house divided. In fact, look with me real quickly uh, to the book of Genesis chapter 11. Let me show you something. There is a great power in unity. A great, and it's one of, the, one of the things that the devil fights the most with against the church. In Genesis chapter 11, you remember the story. You've got some worldly folks here. And they determined they're going to build this thing called a Tower of Babel. And, and what it what it is? They're remembering back several hundred years ago that uh, God, you know, flooded the whole world. And when He flooded the whole world, that He flooded, uh, there's only eight people started over again with no one His family, no one His three sons or three wives, and uh, started it all over again with them. And now, by this time, they've gotten thousands of people on Earth, multiplied millions, really. And, and they're there uh, in what we call modern day Iraq, they're in the city of Babel, and they decide we're going to build us a city and we're going to build us a tower because we don't want to split up. We want everybody collectively to come together. Now, the Bible tells us in Genesis 11, verse 1, the whole earth was of one language. Everybody spoke the same thing and of one speech. One speech, one language. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. We call it Babylon today. And they dwelt there, or Babylonian, Babylonian kingdom. Verse 3, And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to now, let us build us a city. Let us build us a tower, whose top may reach unto the heaven. Notice that. The top reaches to the heaven. I've heard people talk about it different ways. They say that top, then get it so high, then let God try to flood the earth out again. We'll be high enough. We'll be above the waters. I've heard some people mention that. But it says whose top may reach to the heaven. And if we read that throughout the Hebrew, what we find, whose top glorifies and worships the heaven. And people believe that on the top of this Tower of Babel was the 12 signs of the Zodiac. And it's where they worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars. And they were building this giant, colossal, False worship system, and the Tower of Babel was going to be its pentacle. And they're all doing this. They're all doing it with one accord. They're all doing it with one mind. They're all doing it one speech. They're all doing this all together. Verse 4, let us do this. Whose top may reach to the heaven, let us make us a name. We want to have a name. That, that's the difference in Christians in the world. Uh, I don't care about my name. No no disrespect towards you, but we don't care about your name either. We care about the name Jesus. That's the name that we want people to remember. Not you, not me. We want to remember the name Jesus. But they want to make themselves the name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. We want to come together under this collective name because we don't want to be scattered. Now, you remember what God had told Adam and Eve? He told them refinish and, and, and refill and multiply and fill the whole earth. Not just your little part, but the whole earth. Fill the whole place. Fill the whole earth. I got a real good friend. Um, Pastor Bernard Morris, he took that literally with 21 children. I, I told him one time, I said, Brother Bernard, I said, I know you're you following the word of God, but maybe the Lord wouldn't have some other people help you along with that, you know, not, not just you do it all by yourself. But anyway. And so he said, we're going to do this. We're not going to be scattered. We're all coming together in this big city we have this big tower for worship. We're all coming together. Now, notice verse 5. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. God makes a special trip from heaven to earth to see if what has been reported to him by the executive angel staff, sometimes known as watchers, sometimes known as archangels, sometimes angels. And he comes down to see it, to see this city. And verse 6, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. What he sees is this, the people are one. They are in unity. They're all thinking the same thing, talking the same thing, doing the same thing, building the same thing. They're all one. Somebody say one. 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 Notice it. And they have all one language. And you get people all on the same page, all speaking the same thing. And this they begin to do. Beginning, it. And now nothing will restrain from them which they have imagined to do. When you get unified, you can do most anything. because the Scripture says, when they're all speaking the same thing, doing the same thing, we, we can't hold them back. We can't hold them back. They'll do anything they imagine to do. There, there is power in numbers, power in people coming together collectively and doing the same thing. So what's God's solution, verse 7? Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. And the name of that place was called Babel, or confusion. In other words, nobody understood what anybody else was saying. If you want to divide a group or divide a people, divide their language. Divide what they say. My, my, my. As, again, as we're in favor of every church that's preaching the gospel, but one reason there are so many different kinds of churches, flavors and brands, if you want to say that, uh, around America and around the world is because it's this one thing right there. People have been saying the different things. Somebody said, you know what? We, we believe God's God and that God is a healing God. And so many people said, amen. Somebody else said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. God's healing power passed away when John died, the last apostle. And since then, there's been no healing power on the earth. And so that separated them because what they said and what they believed. And because of that, they went different directions and were no longer unified, no longer one. Get the language right and you'll solve the problem of unity. As we all come and begin to speak the same thing. And that's what God could have done. Now imagine what could God could have done. He could have come down and he could sent a bolt of light and just blowed the whole thing up. I mean, he could have blowed the whole tower of Babel upside down. and looked look like an upside down pyramid on earth today. And he could have picked it up and popped it into, uh, you know, uh, uh, Antarctica somewhere. Put it in the ice if he wanted. He could have done anything. But he'd done something that was more powerful than all that. He confounded their language. And if he stopped their language, he knew he'd stop them. You see, I mean and that's the way that things work in the earth where you are now at. And so what Jesus is praying is this I can't let these disciples start talking different things. Because if these disciples start going di- with different languages and different talk, and they're not on the same page together, they're gonna divide. They're gonna split. They're gonna be gone. They're gonna be doing different stuff. And and the purpose of God won't go forward. On the other hand, we find the principle in Genesis chapter 11 that if they are on the same page, if they do have unity and they are speaking the same thing, then anything they can imagine they can bring to pass and they can begin to do. That unity is what God wants us to have in our church and in the church of the living God nationwide and worldwide. How many believe that Christians really ought to speak the same thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Christians ought to speak the same thing. And that's the prayer that Jesus is praying. Let them be one like we are one, Father. You you don't find Jesus uh, saying that he's going to heal this blind man or this leprous man, and all of a sudden a voice comes out of heaven and says, "No, No, not yet. It's not my time. From the Father. You don't hear that. No. The Bible teaches us that God confirms the Word with signs and wonders that follow. Jesus is the Word. And as he speaks, God did those things. In fact, Jesus said it. We we can look at it several places, but he he said he did it. Let let me show you that. Look at John chapter 8, verse 26. In John 8, verse 26, Jesus said this, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. You know, what we as children of God need to be speaking is the things that we have heard of God. I can have an opinion, you can have an opinion. But opinions don't really matter that much. Uh, you, you can like, uh, uh, my, you, you can like strawberry ice cream, chocolate, or vanilla. Or you can move up to a higher level and you can like buttered pecan. <laughs> I mean, you know what? But, but you know what? You, 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 those things that, that are out there, it doesn't matter what flavor ice cream you like. But what it does matter is what God has said for you and I to say the same thing. Amen. That's what matters. We need to say the same thing God has said. Think about it like this. You come up through the world. Remember, Jesus said you were in the world, but not in it any longer. Brought you out of it. And so you came up through the world, and the world taught your mind. I mean, it educated your mind. It, it educa- educated everything about you. Your family members that you lived around you educated you. Your, your classmates at school educated you your neighbors educated you and they all taught you whatever they knew was it right maybe was it wrong could be but they can only tell you what they know and so all those things collectively come into our mind our heart and our spirit and we think they are what we believe and what we say they are because that's where we've got them but what we've got to realize is this the worldly mind has to be renewed and the renewing factor is what, not what Dr. So-and-so said or this person said or that person said. The renewing factor is what God says. That's where I need to have my mind renewed so my mouth will speak the same thing that God wants me to speak because Jesus wants me to speak in the same thing He speaks. He wants me to be one like He and the Father and the Holy Spirit are. He wants me to be one. And so that's what we need to do is get our vocals right. Look at verse 27. They understood not that He spoke to them of the Father. And they said, Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, and I can do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. I speak what God has said. I mean, that, that's that's the big deal in our lives, as we speak what the Lord God has said to us. We don't speak anything else. We can have an opinion, everything is opinion, not necessarily right or wrong as such, There's not... Sinful or that kind of thing as such. You can have different opinions. But you and I cannot have a different opinion on the Word of God. Amen? Amen. 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 We need to speak the same things, whatever God says. And so whether I understand it, whether at the present time believe it or know about it or experience it, makes no difference. What matters is if God said it, that settles it. I've heard some people say over the years, God said it, that I believe it, and that settles it. No, God said it, and that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, that settles it. And so I've got to get on this uh, train for the Lord, uh, God Almighty, and believing what he has said for us, and just stay right in line with what God is speaking out of his word. Now, the Bible says, you're there in John 8, 26. Look at verse 29, John 8, verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. You want to be in unity with God the Father? You want to be in unity with, with God the Son and God the Holy Ghost? Then you need to do the things that please him. Amen. Don't be out here living like the devil and think everything's all right between you and God. Amen. It's not. It's not. You need to do those things that please God. Ask yourself, well, God, what would you have me do? How would you have me to live? In which direction you want me to go? How is it you want me to live my life, Lord? That's what I want to do doesn't matter what I want what, or you want. When I first got saved, I really had two ambitions in life. When I first got saved, or, or prior to being saved, I had two ambitions. One was I wanted to play music all my life. I wanted to do that. That's what I've been doing. And also, I just loved accounting. I, lo- I wanted to be an accountant. That's all I wanted to do. I mean, those two things, those, I, I just love counting money. But anyway, I wanted to be an accountant, and I wanted to be a musician. When I got saved, I said to the Lord, I don't care about any of those things anymore. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It doesn't matter about music anymore. It doesn't matter about accounting anymore. It doesn't matter about any of those kind of things. I want to do what you want me to do. And that's what we have to do with our life. Now, God might let you do some of those th- things. He allowed me to. I mean, he gave me a miraculous uh, opportunity uh, to be an accountant for seven years. And I thank God for it. I, I really do. He gave me an opportunity to be playing music all my life now. And so I thank God for that too. But both of those things were what we called in Pentecostal circles on the altar. I put them on the altar. God, if you want me to pick them back up, then you tell me to pick them back up. But right now, everything is on the altar. Somebody say, "Everything." everything is on the altar. It's all on God's altar. God, I brought it to you. We cast our crowns before him, the Bible says. Your abilities, your talents, what you can do, your ambitions, your goals of life, you take it and you give it to God. It's yours. It's yours. I don't want to be in charge of this anymore. I don't want to be in control of this anymore. God, it's yours. You are Lord of my life. I give it to you. And then the Lord will say, okay, that's great, but I'm going to have you pick this back up. I'm going to have you pick this back up. You've heard the story of the man who said to the Lord, God, I just love you so much. I want to give you everything I've got. And so he went to his bank account and he emptied all his money and gave all his money to God. And he thought that would please God, but for some reason he just wasn't feeling satisfied. And then he, w- he went to the Lord again, and he said, I, I really do love you, Lord. I'm- I just want to give you everything. And, and then he gave, gave the Lord uh, his uh, goals in life, his ambitions in life, everything else, and, gave it- and he thought that would be enough, it wasn't. came to the Lord, and he said, I-, I know what I'll do. I'll sell my house and go on a mission. And he did that, and he sold his house and went on a mission field and that kind of thing. And he thought that would satisfy God. A- and-, and literally, you know, he had left his family as he went on mission field. He had left his goods. He left everything, and he came to God one day very frustrated. And he said, God, you know what? I've given you everything I know to give you. I don't have anything left to give you but me. And he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, that's what I've been wanting all along. You can have a house. You've got to have somewhere to live, right? You can have a car. You can have some things like that. But you know what? You can own some things, but don't let them things on you. And that's what we've got to learn. We've got to be that place of unifying with him. We want to do those things always that please him. If I'm going to walk in unity with the Father, I've got to be pleasing unto him. We don't make and shape God in our image. We, we don't remake God to look like we want him to make life. that That's one reason if you go in our prayer room, our Lord prayer room, they really both of them, if you go in our prayer room, you won't find a picture of Jesus in his whole church. Now, I don't know if some type of, a, you know, educational material might have come through or maybe some flannel graphs or something like that it might have a little image of Christ. But, but, but you don't find a picture of Jesus. Because we, we don't, I don't think they had Polaroid cameras back in those days, did they? I didn't think they had iPhones in those days. And we don't know what he looks like. We don't know. And so what we want to do is we want to do those things that please Him so we don't make up things about Him. We let Him reveal Himself unto us, and we want to walk pleasing unto Him in all of those things. Now, look at John chapter 10. You're there in chapter 8. Look at John chapter 10, verse 37. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I'm in Him. In other words, if you don't believe in Jesus, he's saying, if you don't believe in me, look at what I'm doing, he said. Look at the works and you'll see the Father coming through the works. You may not have to believe me, but look at the works and you'll see the Father coming through the works. Jesus said it like this. He said, you know what, John the Baptist coming. He doesn't eat or drink or do anything like this. and He's staying out in the wilderness and you were against him. And then I come eating and drinking, and you call me a wine bibber. You call me an alcoholic. You call me a drunk. And you know what? There are some people that are never going to be pleased no matter what you do in life. They would never be pleased no matter what you do in life. It doesn't matter. You're not going to make them happy. So you might as well not live your life trying to make other people happy because you'll have a very frustrated life. Somebody said, well, I only need to make myself happy. Eh, a little truth there. But really what you need to do is make God happy in your life. Do that. And then everybody else can just fall in line wherever they want to. Please the Lord God Almighty. And Jesus Christ is saying this, I've got works that show in my life whose side I am on. And you and I need to have works in our life too. We don't just need to come to church on Sunday and name the name of Christ and shout and praise the Lord and dance and holler and hoop and praise the Lord and glory to God and have a great time and then walk out and, you know, live just like the rest of the world lives. No. We will not be a unified church at all. The psalmist had this in mind when he said this. He said, Behold how good, how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. You want to have a great church, a, a church where you're happy and you're at peace and you love one another, you get unified in that church. Get unified in that church. Now, let, let me tell you just a little something about unity there. AJ, we, we, we button me back here. they pulling at me. If, if we want to have unity uh, in our church as we come together, it is not a matter. Let me just reclip right there a little higher now. Yeah, a little bit higher now. It. It. Okay, got it. All uh, right, yep. Uh oh. I'm being taped up. That tape ain't big enough for this mouth, AJ, that's what you're looking for. You need some big duct tape. Yeah, that gorilla tape. Alright, if, if we want to be in unity uh, around this place, it is not a matter, and this is what you've got to get past, and I do too, all of us do. It's not a matter of me saying, how can I get you to agree with me? It's not a matter of you saying, how can I get all of y'all, So how can I talk, how can I get y'all to agree with me? If you're looking to make somebody just agree with you, you're going to have a struggle or if somebody's wanting you to agree with them just on the basis of agreement, you're going to have a struggle. Here's how it works. It's like God is here. You are here. I am here. Let's put it that way. Binary choice, both of us. We are here, but God's up here. Now, notice God is in the middle of you and I. God's in the middle. If I go up and get closer to God, I'm going that way. If the other person goes and gets closer to God, he's going that way too. When we both draw closer to God, we automatically get closer to each other. Amen. That's the secret and power to being unified. It's not that you try to make me in your image or I try to make you in my image. It's that we both try to allow ourselves being made and formed and fashioned in the image of Almighty God. And we go from glory to glory. As we get more and more like Christ Jesus. And the more you get like Christ Jesus, the more you will love everybody. Amen. The more that everybody's in the kingdom of God, you will come into a greater agreement in your life on, on the things that the Bible teaches us. It, it's not hard when, when you both are loving God and going toward him because he's going to be telling you both the same thing. He's going to be speaking the same thing to both of you. If you and I are down here together and we have our influences of the world around us, we have the influence of God calling us and the influence of the devil trying to destroy us. And so if we're trying to figure all that out and make all that work between ourselves just so we can all sort of come together this kind of way, that's not what we're wanting. We want to be unified unto God and become just like him. And the closer I get to God and the closer you get to God, the closer you and me get together as we come toward him. That's just how it works. And so ain't nobody no contest about somebody else or trying to win you over or you win me over. It's, it's nothing like that. It's all of us are trying to please God, say what God says, speak what God says to speak, and get closer to him. When you get closer to him, you'll be closer to me if I'm going closer to him. And if I'm going the other way, <laughs> you won't be any closer to me. But if we both have that same heart and spirit, we're going there. That, that's why, remember, now, he's talking to believer. He's not talking to the world. You hear this a lot in politics. They talk about, well, can't we all just come together in politics? No, we don't want to all come together. No, not in politics, no. You don't want to take something that's wrong and take something that's right and say, okay, we'll just take half of our right and half of your wrong and put it together. Uh, that, that, that's, you don't want unity with the world. We want unity with God. We want unity with God. And that's where we need to strive to be, to be unified with the Lord God Almighty, not with this world. Now look at John chapter 17. Just a few more minutes. John chapter 17, verse 12. Here's a second thing right here. That's Jesus praying for us and, wow, do we need this in our nation? Do we need this in our church, our cities, our town, our state? Do we need it in our families, in our heart, in our, with our children, with your parents, with Brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody else. Everybody. John 17, verse 12. Jesus says, while I was was with them in the world. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. In this old world, you and me need to be kept. Okay? Those that you gave me, I have kept. Okay? None of them is lost. But the son of perdition... He's lost. Judas, he's talking about him. He's lost. That the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Somebody say joy. joy. Say it again. Say joy. Joy. Let your face smile when you say it. Say joy. Somebody say, I'm joyful. Say, my cup runs over. Say, I'm full of joy. Somebody say, I'm happy. Amen. Amen. Children of God are the happiest people on planet earth. I think it was Demas Sakarian years ago for the full gospel businessman when he founded it, wrote a book called that The Happiest People on Earth. And the happiest people on earth are those people that are Christians, people that are joyful in their God. And I am full of joy. Say, I'm full of joy. Amen. You know, news one way or the other don't affect me. We're full of joy. I mean, you know what someone says here, someone says, it don't matter. I'm full of I know God's going to take care of everything, amen? And so, you know, we, we can walk full of joy. There's not a, not a problem with that. We're going to be joyful. I've heard people say over the years, well, what if uh, this didn't happen in your uh, finances, for example? Would you still be full of joy? Yeah. Yeah. Sheila and I, when we first got married, we had $50. We blowed that real quick. We were poor. We got married with $50, and we we lived. We actually uh, lived with my dad for the first several years. We didn't have no money. didn't have no education. didn't have much of a job. We didn't have nothing. We was poor. I know what poor is. I've been there. I mean, you remember I told you the stories they had. I say the poor old Sheila, but poor young Sheila. I mean, do all kind of stuff. When we finally got a washing machine, we put it out, back out the trailer on the ground and take a hose pipe and fill it up water and put a, and a, and a put a, uh, <laughs> put a uh, electric cable out there to plug it up in. But, man, we were so happy we had a washing machine. <laughs> Except when it snowed and wind blowing <laughs> and rain and everything else. <laughs> but we were. We were still happy as we could be and have been. God gave us joy. You, you get saved. It won't matter if you got a washing machine or not. Amen. And I like clean clothes. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. We got one now, okay? Amen. We got a washing machine now and a dryer now. And it's got its own little room that it sits in amen. inside our house. And Sheila's got these racks that go around this way on the other side and racks up here. And she's got a pantry right there with food. Got all kinds of stuff now. But we were happy before we had any of that stuff. Amen. Stuff don't make you happy. You know what I found out with stuff? When you get the stuff that you thought would make you happy and you get it, you find out you need some other stuff that that stuff didn't do it. <laughs> stuff won't make you happy if you're just looking for stuff. Now, at the same time, it's a lot easier to be happy with the stuff than it is without it, all right? But anyway. <laughs> but don't look at the stuff to make you happy. Don't, don't look at this world system to make you happy. I'm happy no matter who the next president is. I'm happy. I was happy before this one came. I'll be happy when the next one comes, and I'll be happy after that and after that. I remember Brother Copeland said the Lord told him many years ago when he talked praying about the election. And he's asking the Lord about it. And he said, uh, who would win the election? Like, you know, still counting balance right now. and say what's going to happen? But he asked him, who's going to win the election? And um, the Lord told Brother Copeland, this has years ago, told him, he said, uh, don't, don't you be concerned about it. Don't worry about it. I promise you this. You're going to like it. And I heard Brother Copeland say, well, that settled with me. I like it. Whatever it is, I'm going to like it. I'm going to walk in joy. Amen. 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 And you don't have to struggle to do it. You don't have to fight to do it. It's not hard. All you got to do is keep your mind centered on God keep your relationship him right, and just love and feast on his presence every day in your life, you'll be joyful. It's going to happen to you. Now, notice what he says. He's praying that they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. Joy in themselves, not a joy that you plaster on in front of you trying to make everybody think you're some super cool Christian. oh I let a bad word out of my mouth. I better not do that. Oh, catch my tongue. You know, get to the place where you don't have to catch your tongue. If you've got some bad words coming out, yeah, start catching your tongue. Go ahead and do it. But that, that shouldn't be the end all. You ought not have to catch your tongue. You ought not to be there to come out in the first place. Amen? Amen. How are you going to get it out? Well, you let the blood of Jesus just wash it out of you. Amen. Cleanse me, oh God. Cleanse me in Jesus' name. Yes, let, him, let him do it. Well, same way with joy. Same way with joy. I, I, I am joyful. You don't wake up in the morning and ask yourself, how do I feel today? Oh, do I mean, you, you wake up with the molly grubs? Uh, we, we got a new bedroom suit in our house or a new, new mattress we're looking at and getting the rest of it. Sheila don't want to let go of our bedroom suit. We bought it in 1986. She says it's sentimental to us. But she did want us to get another mattress. How I many thanks about 38 years? Old. No. <laughs> We've gotten several mattresses over the years, okay, <laughs> from 73, not 38 years. That's 47 years. We've gotten several mattresses over the years. But uh, this one we went and got. We said, we want to get the update. So we bought these mattresses. We went in the mattress store, guy, and he said, yeah, this is this. This is, this is what everybody's getting. And he saw the mattress is like nine-something inches and the box spring is like nine inches. And you've got to have a ladder to get into bed now. <laughs> do, do you know beds used to be shorter than they are nowadays? Vanities in your kitchen used to, uh, and, and your bathroom used to be shorter. We, we redid our whole downstairs bath. I mean, we just made a mansion out of it. We did our whole downstairs bath uh, uh, earlier this year. And all of the vanities, I know because my dad built cabinets for years and I helped him, and they're all 30 inches. They're all 30 inches. No more. Vanishes now are not 30 inches. They are 34 to 36 inches now. And it makes a bigger difference when they are taller like that. And somehow beds got taller too. And so, you know, what out here she'll get up in the morning and she'll swing her feet to the side of the bed. Hang like that. And <laughs> pow! And jump off the bed. But, you know, we don't, walk, we don't wake up in the morning and say, Oh, I got a molly grub. Everything changed around me. Oh, man. Oh, what time is it? Oh. No, man. You wake up with the joy of the Lord in your heart and life. You don't wake up and ask yourself how you feel. You wake up and tell yourself how you feel. I feel good. Somebody say, I feel good. You may not be James Brown, but you can still feel good. Amen. Like I knew that I would. I feel good. So good. Amen. Wow! No wonder he no wonder he screamed. No wonder I feel good. I do. I feel good. Glory to God. Why? Because my joy is in the Lord. Amen. Come what may in this world, it don't matter. My joy is in the Lord, Amen. and I feel good in Christ Jesus this day. And that's what He taught us to do. Now, let me give you just a couple of things. Hold on, but Matthew six this Lord's Prayer. Here's 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 what we can get it for you. Matthew six, verse nine through thirteen. The Bible says, "After this manner, therefore, pray you: Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come." See that, thy kingdom come. When we pray for the kingdom to come, we pray it in New Testament style, not Old Testament style. but When we pray it in New Testament style for the kingdom of God to come, we recognize in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. So when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I pray this prayer, and as I pray it, I'm saying, no, Lord God, let your kingdom come. I recognize that for believers, the kingdom has already come. It's now in us, part of us. I recognize that. For some people in the world, they hadn't come yet because they hadn't accepted the kingdom. And there's going to be a literal coming in the kingdom when Jesus comes down and just literally takes this place over physically all over the world. I understand that too. But I also understand the New Testament teaches me that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's, it's not the physical surroundings. It's not these things around me. That's what I'm praying to come. But I'm praying righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so I'm thanking God that Jesus Christ is my righteousness, that the blood of Jesus cleansed me all sin. I'm thanking the Lord that he is Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. He is my rest. And then I also thank him that he is my joy, and my cup runs over, and I am happy. I've heard some people say sometimes, well, we love so-and-so, but we're not in love. You ever heard people say that? Give me a break. What are you trying to do? We love so-and-so, but we're not in love. I mean, we, we're in love now, Pastor, but we're not, in, we're not in love like we used to be. We love each other, but we're not in love. And some people say, well, I've got the joy of the Lord, but I ain't happy. No, if you have the joy of the Lord, you're gonna be happy too. Amen. Everybody say, "I'm happy." Amen. Say, "I'm happy." I'm happy. Amen. Got the, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. <laughs> sit on attack to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart. I'm so happy, so very happy. The hell, whatever the rest of it goes. But anyway, I'm happy. How to get I pray. Lord God, let your kingdom come to me. Lord God, let the joy of the Lord fill me this day. Your peace fills me. Your righteousness fills me. Now let the joy of the Lord fill me this day in my life. Let me walk with happiness and joy and peace in my life. Let me go around smiling. Let me go around with a great attitude. Not just on my face, but in my heart and in my spirit. Completely before God. Completely. We pray that into ourselves. He said, It comes through prayer. This joy of the Lord comes through prayer. Jesus said like this in John chapter 15, verse 11. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. You won't get joyful listening to the radio from the world. You won't get joyful listening to the news from the world. You won't get joyful any connection with the world. The world is designed to kill you and destroy you. The world is designed to make an atheist out of you. The world is designed to kill your faith and kill your life. So, you know, you need to stay away from the world. Stay away from the world. But but Jesus said the words that I've spoken to you, uh, the words I've spoken to you that you may have joy remain in you. If you feel your joy starting to slip, what has happened is the word started to slip. Because the word of God brings joy to you. And the word of Jesus brings joy to you. When, when, when I've got some bad doctor reports years ago, and got some of those. If I just listen to those doctor reports and love my doctor, I really do. But if I uh, got those, and they're just telling the truth, what it was. And I got that report, that's bad news. If I meditated stayed on it, I'd been in the mullet drugs. I'd been sad, disappointed, broke, discouraged, and blue. you know, all that kind of stuff. I've been down and out, different different kind of things going on in my life, if that had been happening. But when I come to the Lord, and I come to the Lord Jesus, he said, I'm the Lord God that heals you, Leon. Amen. I just got happy all over again. It don't matter what the doctor said then, because I went to Dr. Jesus, and he said, I'm the Lord God that heals thee," Amen. And joy comes back into my life. See, joy is in your life when you hear what the word of God is being said to you. not what, So you've got to guard yourself. Jesus talked about it. Guard what you hear. Be careful what you hear. I mean, it can rob you of your joy. And so we have the joy of the Lord. What, what else the Bible says? Uh, Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. I know some people sap the joy out of you, don't you? I mean, man, they look like their dog just died yesterday. Their best friend just left them, and everything is terrible, and they get around you. How's it going? Well, not so good, Pastor Leon. I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you about it. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry I asked. I'm sorry I asked. Learn not to say, how you doing? You know, that, yes, it's a common thing you do out in public. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. How you doing? And I'll tell you what, it is a shame, because I got some friends out here, and different workers that done different things around the church, and good people, ever different. but it is a shame if you let somebody, some old sinner, be happier than you are, and I say that in all respect to sinners that need Jesus, but you let somebody that, that, that don't know God happier than you, I mean, that, that is just incredible, I used to work in a plant when I did, I come in on Monday mornings, and all these folks come in, man, they got headaches, they couldn't have to do anything. They run the worst production and the most high quality of errors on Monday morning or any other day of the week. Oh, they couldn't half see, they couldn't half think, their mind's still foggy, and they couldn't half walk and all this stuff. One of them explained to me, I said, what happened y'all? Man, I got drunk at the bicycle. <laughs> I don't know how drunk a bicycle gets, but man, whatever it was, it was bad. <laughs> and I said, you do all that just trying to get happy. You do all that trying to forget about your problems. You do all of that just to get away from the miseries of your life. I say, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus in your lives, what you need. Because Jesus gives you joy, 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 down in your heart. Down in your heart to stay. Amen? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in his presence, his fullness of joy. Try it sometimes. Let the world come against your Has, Let it hit you, hit you hard. It does sometimes. get the bad news. I mean, get the the report from the doctor, from the banker, from the housing people, or whatever the case might be, and you hear it all. And you know what? Just just slip away from that. Not Clarence Carter Carter either, but just slip away from (laughs) everything. Slip away from everything. Get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of the Lord, and see if joy doesn't come return to your life. You can't be in God's presence and still be worried at the same time. You can't do it. How could you be in the presence of the creator of the universe and bring any little problem that you and I might think is very great to us? And I know how it hurts sometimes. You bring any of that before God, it don't hold a candle to God. God can solve any issue. I pray this for so many years. God, you can do this, you can do that. And Lord God, if I can't even see it, don't know it, can't imagine it, you can still create it and make it. You can still do it. I don't have to have the answer anywhere near my brain. I don't have to have it anywhere near my brain. All I do believe God, because he can do far above what Ephesians 3 and 20 tells us, exceedingly above all that we ask or think he can do it. He's way out from where you and I are. Um, he can do it. And so in his presence, there is joy. There is joy. Last one I'm going to give you, we're going to close. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26 says this. For God gives to a man that is good in his sight wisdom knowledge, and joy. To the sinner. To the sinner, but to the sinner, he gives travail. To gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. In other words, the righteous and the sinners live two different lives. Where joy is concerned, a sinner may try to get their joy out of a bottle. Played nightclubs for several years, and I've seen a lot of people trying to get their joy out of a bottle. Seen people trying to get their joy out of something they smoke, something they take, something they shoot. Don't do it. Some people try to get their joy out of somebody else's husband, somebody else's wife. They wanted their circumstance or situation to change. They were looking to this old world to get their joy, and you just ain't gonna find it there. Now, are there some pleasures in this life? The Bible says that Moses chose to follow God and, and and suffer the things that he went through and forsake the pleasures of this world for a season. There's some things in the, in this life that you know. You out got some drinking buddies. As long as y'all got some money and you buying around from everybody, you got a lot of friends, you know. But when your money dries up, you ain't buying nobody around anymore. Your friends sort of dissipate. They sort of go away, and you ain't got nothing else to drink yourself anymore. Then your mind comes back to you that you had lost temporarily. And then there comes back all your problems, and they're still there, just like they was before you started loading it down. This world ain't going to bring you any joy. It's not going to bring you any peace, anything. But the Bible tells us this, that God, he gives to the man that is good in his sight, wisdom, knowledge, and joy. In other words, when you and I say to the Father, God, come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I've lived my life. I've made a mess of things. I'm not happy. Ain't just about happy. I don't have a future. I don't have an eternal home to go to when I die. And I sure don't want to go to hell. And I say to God, Lord God, please forgive me of all my sins. I don't want them anymore. And I want to know you. As the Bible says in the fellowship of your suffering, I want to know you, Almighty God. I want to be like you. I don't want to live the way I've been living anymore. And I give my life and I turn my heart toward the Lord. And God cleanses me and he makes me whole and he makes me righteous by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he forgives me of all of my sins, and he washes them all away. And according to the scripture that he talks about, he, he makes me good. He makes me righteous. And the Bible says that what God does, he gives to me. He gives me wisdom. He gives me knowledge. And he gives me joy. Amen. The primary thing that happens when somebody gets saved, primary thing you can see happen when somebody gets saved, a lot of things happen. Okay, we let quit that, the old time, used to say, I don't go where I used to go anymore. I don't talk like I used to talk anymore. Ha. You know, all that kind of stuff we talk about. I don't live like I used to live anymore. I don't cuss like I used to cuss anymore. All that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't do that. Yeah, all that changes. It does. It does. But one of the primary things I see happen in people's lives when they get saved and come to God is they get happy. They get joyful. There's a peace that settles in their life, and joy comes in their life, and they're happy. They're being restored to the Father God. They're joyful. They are at one with Him. They're no longer on the outside looking in. They're not the enemy of God any longer because of wicked works and evil deeds, as the Bible teaches about. But now, we've come to God, we surrender for Him, and we're all in His hands. And it's a happy place to be. It's a joyful place to be. It's a great place to be. I want everybody to be there, don't you? Amen. I want everybody to be in that joyful place with God. I'll tell you what let's do. Let, let's all stand in the building today, and we'll go to the Lord in a prayer before we dismiss today. And give you opportunity. If you're in the house today and uh, you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to give you opportunity to do that in the house today. In Jesus' name. Jesus, Let every head be bowed, please, and every eye closed. and We'll come to the Lord in Jesus' name in prayer. Father God, we come to you, and Lord, and we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for the prayer of your dear son, Jesus, that he prayed for us as a church and, Lord God, as a community of believers, Lord, that we might become one. And, Lord God, that you want to fill us with the joy of the Lord, which will definitely be our strength. You want to take away the sorrow, the misery, the pain, the suffering. And, Lord God, you want to fill us with joy. And so, Father God, gladly, Lord God, this day we want to receive you. And so, Father God, if anyone in this house, in this place, anybody watching online this morning does not have your heart, spirit in their life, doesn't have your joy in their life, I pray that they'll make you Lord of their life this day. And so, in the name of Jesus, we're going to pray to receive Jesus. If you're here in this service today, bow your eyes closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, or even you've known him, but you but walked away from that relationship. Whatever you want to call it. If you want to call it backsliding or out of fellowship, don't matter to me. Just so you make things right with God today. If you're in this house today and things aren't right between you and the Lord. Or if you're looking online today and you're viewing me there and things aren't right between you and God. Right where you're at in your home, wherever you're looking, whatever today, wherever you're dwelling, whatever. You might be outside walking around with a cell phone in your hand right now and watching this today. Whatever the situation circumstances is with you you can make Jesus Lord of your life, and he'll change your life, and he'll change your world. And so what I want us to do, I want us to pray together and in Jesus' name. Is there anyone in the house today where their heads bowed, eyes are closed, that you'd be honest and say with God and you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, when you pray, please just pray for me. Would you do that? Anyone in the house today? Anyone in the house so Just lift your hand, wave it toward him and say, Pastor, please just, just pray for me. Pray for me. If you are viewing online today and you're listening, that's you. You can just raise your hand when we pray here in just a few moments in this house. In the name of the Lord. I want all of us to pray together. Everybody pray this prayer. Say, Dear Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus, who right now I make my Lord. Lord Jesus, I will serve you. I will follow you all the days of my life. I give you all that I am. I want everything that you are. And I believe and I know that all of my sins are now washed away and that I'm your child. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of Christ this very day, and my world has changed. And so in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, that I have become one with other Christians, and the joy of the Lord is now my strength. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. A little bit louder, come on, hallelujah. Somebody say glory. Give the Lord a great big hand clap, come on. In Jesus' name, God bless you, God bless you. Good to see you in the house today. Glad you joined us online today as well. God bless, in Jesus' name.